Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Sanisha. Hi. Hi. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you today? Good, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. A nice business, nice as the industry. No, I think, you know, the markets have been tough now with everything happening in China. Yeah, yeah but it's been a bit of, um, do I say, break. It's been the last one week, there's been some sort of calm, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think, you know, as soon as the market kind of believes that there is some plan happening with the property developer in China. I think it's sort of calming markets. But I think what's keeping markets a bit on their tiptoes is that we're seeing, you know, new regulation coming out of China almost every week. And I think it's just the uncertainty of which sectors they're going to clamp down next. I think it makes the markets quite nervous. Hmm. Okay. Um, So let's wind back a bit and just talk about you. Yeah, sure. Okay. So let's talk about Sanisha. What do you do? I understand that you're with uh, Momentum Investment. Yes, yeah, so I'm the economist for Momentum Investments. Uh, Momentum Investments falls under the wider umbrella of Momentum Metropolitan Holdings. So within our broader business, we've got the short-term insurance leg, we've got medical aid, uh, we've got uh, long-term insurance as well. And then we sit in the investments part of the business. And it's mostly managed as a multi-manager approach. Okay. So any of our equities is done through the multi-manager approach. But we do have a property team as well as a fixed income team. So those are done directly. Okay. So in the portfolio, mainly equity, fixed income, and uh, real estate, correct? Yes. So we do we do invest in commodities, but only through ETFs. Okay. And then we've also got a global Allocation. So we're not currently invested in Africa, but we are invested in the rest of the globe. And that part is managed by MGM, which is our team in the UK. Okay. So when it comes to your commodity part of your portfolio, you don't look into Africa, but other parts of the portfolio, um, do you play within the emerging market? So the reason that we don't really look that deep into commodities is that we don't have specific resource analysts that can give us a bottom-up view. So when we look at commodities, it's very much from a demand perspective rather mm. than what the company's supply yeah. you know, around the world is looking at. So we do it through the ETFs because it also helps us to trade in and out of those positions quicker. We find that if you you know buy into the direct commodities, it's a bit uh, trickier. 
And then the commodities that we are exposed to on the ETF side is predominantly gold and platinum ETFs. Uh, the yellow metal and the, the white metal. Yes, yeah. Okay, all right. The so purchase. the focus today is mainly around uh, the, the decision by the South Africa Reserve Bank uh, Monetary Policy Committee. Uh, this decision came a couple of weeks ago, if I'm correct. And of course, uh, the decision was to uh, maintain interest rates steady at around 3.5 percent. That was uh, way back in September, of course. Uh, so, with that decision, what does that mean for an investment manager like Momentum? Well, this is quite important for the positioning that we have in our fixed income funds, and our fixed income positioning is quite reliant on what happens to interest rates in South Africa. Mm. Also in terms of our exposure to banks, and that would be on the equity side. Hmm. But we are at the bottom of the interest rate cycle in our view, and we are expecting quite a slow increase in interest rates to take place from here. Hmm. So as a result, we still think that it's quite a favorable outlook for financials banks in particular, given that the first you know 100 basis points or so of interest rate increases, banks are usually quite well positioned yeah, for that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and then in terms of the uh, fixed income market, again, we're not looking for a very aggressive interest rate hiking cycle. Mm. And um, if you look at the last decision that came out from the Reserve Bank, it wasn't a decision that surprised markets. If we look at the surveys that led up to that point, the majority of the analysts that were surveyed had expected interest rates to remain steady. And I think that was really on the back of where the growth dynamics were playing out at that point mm. and where inflation expectations were at that point. Mm. I mean, so the pandemic era actually was a time where most uh, portfolio managers course, opted more for fixed income running away from the, uh, the volatility of the equity market. And of course, uh, that led to many apex bank uh, globally uh, try to maintain rate as as low as possible, and some even go negative. Um, do you think it's about time that uh, that changes for interest rates to start picking up? Uh, yes, I mean, so we've also seen a rising level, of continuous rising level of uh, inflationary pressure across uh, several economies uh, globally. Of course, yes. Yeah, as you pointed out, you know, we've seen inflationary pressures rising, but at, at quite an extreme in some of these economies, and that's largely on the back of supply side mm. bottlenecks and constraints. What is quite interesting that in South Africa's case, we haven't actually seen the same momentum building behind our inflation dynamics. Exactly. And that's because inflation has been relatively well contained here because services inflation has actually been our biggest anchor on our headline numbers. So services inflation here in South Africa accounts for about half of our inflation basket. But if you look at services inflation in many of the other emerging nations, it can be, you know, smaller than 30%. On average, it's about 35%. Hmm. But we've got the, you know, the benefit of having a much larger proportion of our basket being services oriented. And with rental inflation coming under a lot of pressure, we know that medical aid inflation is also going to be quite slow to take mm-hmm. off. These, you know, form quite big chunks of that inflation basket and actually has helped to keep inflation under control in our environment, unlike what you've seen in many emerging markets where food and oil constitute a much larger share of consumer spend. I mean, but a short-term forecast by the Reserve Bank also indicated a slight uh or rise in the inflationary pressure, even for South Africa. I mean, what does that mean? 
So we are expecting, you know, this to be almost the bottom of the inflation cycle. We do see slightly high inflation coming out in the next few years. Mm. But I think it's also important to relate that back to the midpoint of the inflation target. And if we look at the next two to three years, we are expecting inflation to hover around the midpoint of the target. Yeah. And as a result, we don't think that that's going to necessarily push the Reserve Bank to hike interest rates very aggressively. So we do think that this is the bottom of the interest rate hiking cycle and we do expect hikes to commence. Mm. We don't expect, you know, the hikes to come through hard and fast like we have seen in some of the other emerging markets where inflationary pressures have been very strong and have you know, counted um, consumer spending given the erosion from purchasing power in those economies. I mean, so you're saying that as long as the, the forecast is still within the band, you know, that was set, you know, by the Reserve Bank itself. So we're still very much good. Definitely. And, you know, if we look at some of the pressures that have been exerted on the inflation basket in the past, I mean, one of the things that the Reserve Bank often notes is the currency. But we've been in almost a decade period now where the currency passed through into the inflation basket has been Mm -hmm. quite low. So we've seen many of the South African retailers, particularly your non-food retailers, what they've experienced in the last couple of years is that they've become more efficient. And as a result, they didn't have to necessarily pass on the impact of currency depreciation to the consumer. Mm. And also because consumer spending has been quite weak in, in South Africa, disposable incomes under pressure, we continue to see very elevated rates of joblessness. Um, you know, we haven't seen a massive boost to to wealth in, in the past couple of months either. Hmm. And on the back of that, it's very difficult for retailers to push through these massive price increases if the currency depreciates. Hmm. Instead, what they've been doing is trying to actually protect footfall and trying to keep up their volumes. Hmm. I see. All right. So let's go back to the rate. With the current rate, the short-term growth forecast is is good. But of course, the long-term impact indicated that um, uh, there's going to be a slower uh, growth, of course, especially in 2022. Um, What does that indicate? You know, if um, uh, the whole idea of keeping the rate at a level that can stimulate the economy as much as possible without triggering uh, unnecessary inflationary pressure uh, and of course we still see the long-term impact you know appears to be uh, not so good is there other factor that the fed is considering other than the rate you know with regards to this decision i think we definitely need to consider other factors and it's something that the reserve bank has spoken about quite a lot in the past where they suggest that lower potential trend growth in our economy is not really a factor of constraining interest rates mm. It's quite a nice survey that's conducted every quarter by the Bureau of Economic Research, which is based in Stellenbosch in in the Western Cape. And they ask a number of manufacturers, you know, what are the main hindrances to investing in the economy at present? Hmm. And oftentimes, you know, we find that a very high rating is given to political concerns. And within that, you can also include policy uncertainty. And of course, with the recent riots we had taking place in in two of our major economic hubs being Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal, two of our major economic provinces. We saw quite a dent in in business sentiment coming out of that. And I think that the ongoing lingering policy uncertainty 
does dissuade businesses from wanting to invest in the economy either through infrastructure or through employment growth. Hmm. And that is essentially what is compressing our longer term growth rates. I see. So as you said, you know, we've got this initial bounce, the post-COVID-19 bounce as the economy starts to reopen and economic activity gets kick-started once again. But further out, uh, you know, the support for growth starts to wane. Okay, I see. Because I was actually going to talk about that. Of course, uh, the restriction, you know, but the lockdown has been a bit more uh, better right now, you know, in the country. And of course, uh, with that, economic activities also will pick up. And of course, that speaks to the growth that was forecasted by the Reserve Bank. Uh, but then also, I'm just saying that maybe at some point before the end of the year or early in the, the coming year, the rate might have to pick up a bit, especially as economic activities are picked up and become normal. So unfortunately, you now our, our medical experts are suggesting that we could get a fourth wave of COVID-19 oh. sweeping over South Africa. And, you know, some of the estimates out there are as early as November. What the experts are also suggesting is that because the vaccine rollout program has progressed here and because the natural rate of infections has climbed, we may not actually see such a severe impact as what we saw during the third wave. And if that is the case, and that does indeed materialize to that extent, it also implies that government may not have to put up restrictions to the same extent as we did during the third wave or even the second and first waves. Mm. And that means that more of the economy will then be allowed to operate under less stringent conditions. Mm. And hopefully with that in place, you know, the economy can still stage a bit of an economic recovery in the fourth quarter. We know that the third quarter is going to be marred by the rioting that took place in um, July. But going into the fourth quarter of the year, um, you know, most expectations are for a decent upturn in growth. That's correct. Notwithstanding the potential for a fourth wave of COVID-19. Hmm. All right. So let's just make sense of this more. And just um, what does this mean for the consumers, for an average South African? And of course, uh, yeah, let's begin with that. Then we'll go to what does this mean for portfolio managers and the stakeholders within the uh, investment and financial services community? Maybe just starting, you know, with the consumer, I think it's going to be a very bifurcated market. So your lower end and your middle income consumer are definitely facing some pressure, particularly Mm. because of the elevated rates of joblessness. And I don't think that employment is going to recover as quickly as, you know, the economy bounced back in terms of activity levels. We're not seeing that one for one relationship playing out. On the higher end of the market, you've got more savings. And so we've seen household savings picking up quite nicely, uh, not obviously to the same extent as what we saw in nations like the US or the UK. Uh, but, you know, to if you look at our own numbers relative to historic averages, we did see household savings picking up. So going into next year, we might see those household savings reversing and that's been coming back into the economy from the higher end of the market. I am still quite concerned about the middle and lower income earners. We've had years of bracket creep on the tax side that Mm. has impacted your middle income earner. Mm. And, you know, the joblessness at the lower end of the market is negatively impacting those consumers. What we could see is potentially some upside surprise in consumer spending resulting from either a basic income grant, which has been widely discussed in the South African dynamic more lately, 
um, especially with the social relief of distress grants starting to roll over in March. If we don't see jobs recovering by then, I think there will be a big social push to continue some form of social spending to uplift those segments of society. Hmm. And then in your middle income earning group, if government does not get to a longer-term wage negotiation at the end of March, it implies that the cash bonus, which was given out previously, will continue. That's, of course, very positive for the consumer to spend in the economy. But at the same time, it does vote quite negatively for our fiscal dynamics, which are already quite stretched. Exactly. Okay, finally, we've seen a rising level of uh, default in consumer loans. I know that. What impact does that have on the economy and, of course, uh, and all the other macroeconomic parameters that we've been seeing? What has been a bit different this time around about the debt dynamic is who essentially is taking out those loans. So if we think back to the 2008 global financial crisis, a lot of the bad debt were in the hands of consumers at the lower end of the income earning spectrum, Hmm. those that were less educated on debt, those that were less able to repay their debts. We've got an institution called Debt Busters in South Africa, which is a a debt counseling agency. And and they've suggested that what we've seen more recently is that those that are looking for debt counseling have a better understanding of how to repay their debt and a better ability of how to repay their debt. So even though we have seen bad debts increasing, we're seeing the consumers that have this bad debt are actually more able to get themselves out of that situation. So I think this time around, it's a little bit different to what we saw playing out in 2008. The nature of the bad debt seems to be a little bit easier to deal with this time around. All right, fantastic. Any other last words, Anisha, as we wrap up? You know, I think, you know, just generally, I think we're in quite a fortunate position with inflation not really pushing the Very reserve fortunate. as aggressive. <laughs> We as aggressive as, you know, some other nations that we've seen that have to hike interest rates to the hilt in order to uh, combat runaway inflation. Um, Unfortunately for us, we still need to do a lot of work on structural reform efforts to ensure that we can maintain a higher level of medium term growth in order to support better job creation. All right. Fantastic. And um, if people want to contact you, um, maybe for more clarification. They are free to contact me at sanisha.pakarasami at momentum.co.za or they can contact me on LinkedIn. My my profile is Sanisha Pakrasami. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. Have a great one. All right. The South African economy is, uh, of course, uh, very much in the lock. Uh, uh, just as uh, Sanisha said that uh, looking at the level of inflation, country has not suffered an increasing inflationary pressure like other uh, emerging markets, even some other developed uh, economy that we have seen across the world because of some uh, policy stance as a result of the uh, economic impact, of course, uh, of uh, COVID-19. But of course, we'll continue to monitor these uh, macroeconomic indicators and bring you uh, more as much as possible. From us, it's goodbye.